0: time god is good. Yeah, I remember when Tiffany was going through that. We really didn't know if she was going to make it or not. It was really sketchy. And um so we have a reason to celebrate. Today is party day. Um we are going to do the second part of a series we we actually start we're in a a series called credo, which means we believe, which is fundamental beliefs of this particular church and um mainstream Christianity. So this is basically what are the truths of the Bible? What does the Bible say about all these different things? This particular one is on salvation by grace. I'm calling it reckless grace, and it's W-R-E-C-K-L-E-S-S, reckless because we cannot be wrecked when we offer ourselves to God and when we just completely surrender to him. Um, we are going to talk today, this is part two, um, the sequel of the story of the prodigal son. This is out of Luke chapter 15, and we are going to talk about the original party pooper, the OG party pooper. You guys remember the, uh, the story if you've, if you've never read it before, this is one of the most popular stories, one of the most famous parables, and I think it's because most of us can kind of relate to the, the son that runs away. So, so last time we talked about this kid, okay, so there's a dad, and he's got these two sons. The youngest son basically kind of gets restless, and he says, hey— I want to go off and do my own thing. And so he basically goes to his dad and says, hey, um, I want what's due to me, which was basically another way of saying, you know, "I, I don't care about you. I wish you were dead, basically. Super disrespectful. So he ends up, runs away, starts living a crazy life, this crazy party life, squandering all of his money on probably hookers and alcohol and crazy living, and then all of his money runs out, and as is the case most of the time, when your money runs out, so do your friends. And so all of his friends bailed on him, and he got to the point where he was so desperate that as a little Jewish guy, he had to go and work serving pigs, So basically what this is saying is this is the bottom, and this is where he was. I mean, this was the lowest of the low. And it says that he was actually in with the pigs, jealous of the food that they were eating. It says, but no one gave him anything. So this is really sad. So he decides, you know what, I'm going to go back to my dad, and I'm going to admit that I blew it, because I did. I blew it really badly. I'm going to come back to my dad, and I'm going to say, hey, I realize that I forfeited the right to be called part of your family, but could you just give me a job? So he's rehearsing this thing, and he's coming back to his dad, and before he even is able to get the, the whole speech out, his dad starts running to him, grabs him, Hugs him, embraces him, kisses him, forgives him for everything, and says, We are gonna party. Now, most of us can't even fathom this, right? We think, you know what? If my kids ran away and squandered their inheritance and started doing all the things this guy did, I would not welcome them back and just, I mean, I would like to think that I would. Wouldn't you? Don't we like to think we're better than we actually are? <laughs> but here this dad just completely forgives everything and throws this massive party. The whole idea of killing the fattened calf, what that actually means is that he, he put on the whole hog. I mean, he went all out. This was a massive celebration. Your fatted calf was actually the most expensive possession that you have. Um, Jerry, the bass player, was telling me a story. He said that um, his friend was teaching Sunday school one time, and he asked the kids, he goes, who was angry when the prodigal son came back? And the little kid goes, the fattened calf. <laughs> but anyway, so they throw this massive party. They're having this just awesome party. And that's where we pick it up here. We pick it up in if you could open your bibles to Luke chapter 15 and here's the story of the original party pooper. This is the older son. Now I want you to notice something. If you if you have if you look at the beginning of this story, the younger son goes, "Hey, I want what's due me." And it says that the father divided the inheritance between the two sons. But in those days, the oldest son, the firstborn, got twice as much. I want you to keep this in mind as we get into this story. So the older son gets two-thirds. The younger son gets one-third. Younger son squanders it, goes off with his party buddies and his hookers, and he loses all of his money. And so it says here in verse 25, that's where we're going to pick it up here. It says, Meanwhile... While this big party is going on, it says the older son was in the fields working. Classic older son. It says when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. That's some serious dancing if you can hear it. I don't know if they were doing river dance or whatever they were doing. I don't know, but it was loud. This was a loud party. This is a big celebration. Now, because keep this in mind. This boy had been gone and no one knew if he was dead or alive. So can you imagine the joy of the parent when their child comes back? They're like, I thought he was dead. And so they're having this party and it says the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard the music and dancing and he asked one of the servants what was going on. The servant says, your brother's back and your father has killed a fattened calf and we're gonna celebrate because of his safe return. And so the older son is like, yes, I'm so thankful. Man, I miss my little brother. I'm I'm so glad he's back. I'm, I'm so glad he's safe. Yeah, no. Not how it happened. Instead, he got jealous. It says in verse 28, the older brother was angry and he wouldn't even go in. And his father came out and begged him. Now, I I told First Service I am gonna offend everybody in here today. That's my goal. No, I'm just kidding. But I I hope that you are open enough to see your own tendencies as we talk about some of the characteristics of this older brother, because we are all basically guilty of doing some of the same things. I mean, some of us relate much more to the younger brother. That's I was the younger brother. But some people who are, were raised in the church maybe or in a really religious upbringing can probably relate a lot more to the older brother because, you know, they didn't go out and do all those horrible things. But jealousy, let's talk about jealousy. Jealousy is something that causes us to not be able to celebrate for anyone else because we're so ticked off that we don't have it. It's when you see something happen to someone or someone gets something or a relationship or whatever, and you can't even step outside of yourself enough to celebrate or to rejoice with that other person because you're feeling like, why don't I have that? Why can't I have that? Jealousy is a really ugly, ugly thing. Jealousy, prevents you from feeling joy, to to rejoice with another person. When I first got married, I was absolutely bound by jealousy. And my poor husband, he had to deal with that with me because I was always, everywhere we went, it was an issue. Because I would compare myself and I would always Start to accuse him like it was his fault. I would accuse him if a pretty girl walked by, or if someone was dressed seductively, or whatever. I would start accusing him. It's like poor guy. I was I was really hard on him, and I just I began to just fast and pray that God would set me free. And I I think I fasted and prayed for like five years. You know, that God would deliver. I didn't fast for five years, but I fasted and prayed on and off for five years that God would deliver me and give me clarity and help me because I would confess it. I would do all the right things. You know, I confess it and I would, um, you know, pray about it and I would humble myself and I would try to do all these things, but I just could not seem to get set free from this. And I just, I feel like I'm speaking to somebody now. And you've been asking the Lord for a really long time to set you free from something. And you just feel like he's not hearing you. I just want to offer you this hope. God is a delivering God, but he certainly takes his time. God does not do things on our timetable. He is he is a God who will allow us to get to the point of absolute desperation before He delivers us, and that's the point I was at at one point. So we went to Yosemite this one time, and this gorgeous girl walks by, and I'm like looking at my husband, you know, just angry. I was just angry at him. <laughs> Poor guy. I look back at it now I'm just like, "Ah. Oh. So sad for him. But anyway, so this beautiful girl walks by, and that was like, I got to the end of myself. I was just so over it. I was so done. And so he and I just prayed together. And and all of a sudden, I just just asked the Holy Spirit. I said, please show me what is going on here. And you know what the Holy Spirit showed me? That I wanted to be worshipped. It was about pride. It was about I felt like I wanted to be the one. I was so convicted. I was so absolutely undone. But God delivered me and set me free, and it it was never an issue ever again. Amen? And so I want to just promise you to trust in the faithfulness of the Lord, he is a God who does long to set his people free, and he will, and I promise you. But this older brother, he just decided he was not going to celebrate. He was not going to rejoice. He did not want to, to his younger brother to come back, basically. So it's kind of like the younger brother basically told the father that he wished he were dead The the older brother is essentially saying that he wishes that his younger brother were dead. He was so angry. And so what happens is the father has to leave the party and he comes out. Does this sound familiar? Like the, the father leaving the 99 to go after the one? But this loving father who represents our heavenly father who represents the Lord comes out and looks at his son and he's like, Come, please come on in. Your brother's here. Please come in the house, celebrate with us. We're having such a good time. Please come in. But the older brother is just like Mr. Religious, you know, Mr. Holier-than-thou. And he was so unkind. He couldn't even be loving. He couldn't even be thankful and grateful that his little brother was, was alive. And he says in verse 29, it says, all these years I have slaved for you. and You've never, you have never once, I have never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. So basically he's, he's so self-deluded, which is another characteristic of being religious is you do think you're so much better than you actually are. That's one of the things that 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 legalism and religion and pride will do is it'll it will you will start to justify yourself because you actually think more highly of yourself than you ought, which the Bible says clearly you should not do this. It says, "I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do." Well, first of all, he's talking to his dad, but he's using the language of a slave, and the father's like, "That that's not." What our relationship is. You know, the dad is like, dude, come on. What are you talking about? That's not what I want from you. I want relationship. And this is what religion does. Religion says, I'm going to do all these things. If I do all these things, then maybe God will approve of me. This is what legalism is. And legalism is just as evil as squandering your inheritance on hookers and party and, and crazy living. The The older brother needed to have a reconciliation with the father just as much as the younger son did. <clears throat> so first of all, he's saying he's a slave. He's telling his dad he's a slave, which I'm sure his dad never asked him to do, but this is his internal attitude. And it says, and, and I've never refused to do a single thing you told me to do. Ah. Not true. This is a lie because he's human. So I'm sure he did. There were certain things that he did not do. He was a dogmatist. He decided that this is the way things are. And this is what that spirit of religion does. He says, In all of that time, you never even gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. What? The father divided the inheritance. He had two thirds of the inheritance, but he's all entitled. He's like, I've done all these things. There is a term for this, it's called being self righteous. And what self-righteousness says is, if I do these things, God owes me. If I tithe, then God owes me this. If I serve the Lord, then God owes me this. If I do all these things for God, then I should never have any trials. If I love the Lord, then I should never suffer. None of these things are true. You know, it's like you do these things in order to get from God and not to just get, but to demand and to expect. And this is the opposite of the relationship that the Lord has. Sometimes we say to him, you know, God, I'm doing all these things for you. I'm doing all these things. How come I'm suffering? How come I'm going through hard times? Because God loves you so much, and he knows that the only way that you can get desperate for him is to go through some hard things. But that does not eliminate the fact that he is faithful. 100% of the time, God is always faithful. And I can tell you story after story after story where it doesn't seem like God is faithful, but in the end, he always proves himself to be faithful. Amen. Amen? Amen? And so here, the younger son started just becoming all judgmental toward the younger son. He was really judgmental, and he said, you know, when this son of yours comes back, after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. This, again, is the spirit of religion, the spirit of legalism, the spirit of the law, it's just so rigid. And he's saying, You know what? Remember, Dad, he blew all your money on hookers. You know, he's tattling on his brother. Where the father said, I forgive you. Come to me. I'm so glad you're back. You were dead. Now you're alive. I'm so thankful. But the older brother's like, But he was with the hookers. You know? that's the spirit of religion. It compares itself. It's rigid. It's prideful. It thinks itself is better than than it ought. Anybody convicted? (laughs) I'm hearing groans from the front row. (laughs) Uh, Romans chapter two. This one, you know, God always just kind of has a way of just kind of telling it like it is. So Romans 1 is all this story about how you know, people just decided they were going to do their own thing and God's like, "Okay, fine. Go ahead. I'm going to get I'm going to hand you over to your own devices," right? Then comes Romans chapter 2, starting with verse 1. It says, "You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad, and you have no excuse." It's when you say that they are wicked and they should be punished, you're condemning yourself. Get this now. For you who judge others do these very same things. Ouch! Don't you, whenever you see somebody that struggles with something you struggle with, doesn't it just annoy the tar out of you? Right? You see somebody that struggles with, let's say you're jealous and you see someone else who's jealous. It's like, oh, that just annoys me. Or you see someone who's a gossip and you know you're a gossip and you're like, oh, I just hate that because you're struggling within yourself because you know you yourself do the same things. So when you're hating on somebody else, it's because you struggle with the same most of the time. It's very hard to judge somebody else if, I mean, it's easier to have mercy on someone else if you don't really know what their struggle is. But if if you do the same things, it's just, ugh. it says you do the very same things. In verse two, it says, and we know that God in his just justice will punish anyone who does such things. Now, since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Now, all the older brothers in here are like yeah that's right right anybody Nope. don't raise your hand <laughs> since you judge others for doing these things why do you think you can avoid god's judgment when you do the same now this is the good news romans chapter 2 verse 4 don't ever forget this verse Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Now, isn't this just the opposite of the way we think? We think when that younger son came back that the father should have punished him. The father should have made him pay. The father should have yelled at him and he should have taken away his All of his inheritance, he should have taken away everything. He should have made him like slave for years until he could earn his relationship back. But the thing is, grace is exactly the opposite of what we think is just because grace goes beyond our comprehension. You cannot understand grace. It is incomprehensible. It is so far beyond our thinking. It is so amazing that God would love people who just basically just put their hand up and say, I don't want you. But it says, but God loved that while we were sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He's not waiting for you to clean up your act. He's not waiting for you to do all these things and earn his love. Because that's the older brother, that's how the older brother thinks. The older brother thinks, if you did these things, then you need it, you need to get it together. But that's a spirit of religion, which is the opposite of grace. You know, there, there's a term for those of us who believe in grace um, and we're called gracers, because somehow we actually believe that if we confess with our mouths Jesus is the Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead and, and accept the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offered when he sacrificed himself on the cross, if we actually believe that, we're just deluded. Because it does say in the Bible, it says, faith without works is dead. Does it not? Those of you Bible scholars, faith without works is dead. But people get it upside down. They think, oh, I have to do these works and that will demonstrate to God how much I love him. No, it's the opposite. It's I'm going to love God so much and I'm going to receive his grace and then I'm going to give my life to him. Then I want to offer myself fully to him so that I can live the purpose for which I was created. Amen? This is what it's about. Grace plus nothing. Equal salvation. Not grace plus works. Not grace plus paying a penance. Not grace plus praying enough, fasting enough, giving enough. None of these things. It's grace, grace, grace. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, not of your works, lest any man boast. Amen? This is the father. This is what the father says. He says, look, this is verse 31. Look, my dear son, Even when we're at our worst, God extends his love and his kindness and he calls us his children. Even at our worst, thinking about the things that you do, thinking about the sins that you struggle with, lying, gossip, lust, Think about David, the story of King David. That dude, he was a VIP sinner. He did the big sins like adultery and murder. And what did God say about him? Did God say, oh, that guy's a loser. I have nothing to do with him. No, what God said about David was, he's a man after my own heart. And do you know why? Why? Because David could humble himself and confess his sins. The older brother is not willing to confess any of his own sins. The older brother, it's P-R-I-D-E, pride. This is what the older brother's spirit is. And for those of you who are raised in church, I just warn you, you're probably going to have a tendency to wrestle with this. Because you look at the those of us who are the younger brothers and who did the wild living and the crazy, have the, you know, the made-for-TV testimony. And it's like, you're like, oh, at least I never did that, right? I've always served the Lord. Yeah, well, what about your pride? What about your arrogance? What about your self-righteousness? not looking at anybody. So the pride it's like prideful, it's rigid. It's like this is what the law is and this is how things work and this is how it's going to happen. They're intolerant. It's like, "Ugh, I can't handle those people that do that." Ugh. They're terrible. Those people, how can God even pour out his grace? And they're defensive. Hey, I've never done anything wrong. I I have served the Lord my whole life. I have never, ever walked away from God. I've never done drugs. I actually knew a woman who told me one time that she knew she was going to heaven because she had never sipped alcohol or never smoked a cigarette. I was like, yeah, I seem to remember reading that somewhere in the Bible. (laughs) They're defensive and they're entitled. This is that self-righteous spirit I was talking about. If I do these things or don't do these things, then God owes me. It's not how God works. God pours out his grace. He pours out his love. He pours out forgiveness. And it does not make sense. Amen? And we of all people should be able to party that we are saved by grace through faith, not of our own works, right? We don't have to earn our salvation. We don't have to work and work and work and work and work, and then maybe we'll be saved. No, we are saved by grace when we believe. Amen? And that's why we have reason to party. Can I call the worship team back up? We are going to party, and I wanted to bring donuts, but COVID. So um, I have some little party food for you. I, I mean, I should have brought burgers and, and all of that. But Sarah, would you pass that out, please? Or Prentice, somebody give everybody some chips. And, we're, and please, please do not start eating these chips while you're singing because you will spit on the person in front of you. And I'm up here, so please don't. But we are going to party. We are going to sing this song again. And I want you to just think about this for a minute. This morning, I was listening to the radio. And there's a woman named Johnny Erickson Tata. When Johnny was just a late, she was in her late teens, she was in an accident and became a paraplegic. And this morning she was sitting there listing all the things she had to be grateful for. And she said, I am so grateful that I am saved by grace. Grace. I'm so grateful I don't have to earn my salvation. I'm so grateful that I'm saved from the penalty of hell. I'm so grateful that God has set me free from my sin. I'm so thankful that I have a Bible, that I can read a Bible and get to know God. Here's a woman who's a paraplegic. She's been a paraplegic for like 40 years now. And she's talking about all the reasons why she has to be thankful and you know what? Jesus says in <clears throat> in this world, you will have trouble. And I know there are those of you who are grieving. I know there are those of you who are, who are going through hard times and you're struggling. But in the eternal scheme of things, it is well with your soul. It is well with your soul. We have heaven to look forward to. We have eternity, but we can have abundant life right now, even in the midst of your pain and your suffering. Right after my husband died, I'm telling you, I leaned in to the Lord and he met me there. And I, know, I believe I'm talking to somebody. You're, you're with us here online. You're probably still in your jammies. And, and I just believe that you're wrestling right now with the notion you don't believe God is faithful because you're suffering so deeply. I just wanna say, in the midst of your suffering, lean in to God. Read the word of God, celebrate, party. Can I have those balloons? Because here's the truth of it. You're the best. In God's eyes, you're the best. He says, celebrate. He goes, you're so special. Yeah, that's what he's telling you, and that's why he wants us to party. So, can you stand up and party with us right now? Hey, if you're somebody and if you have never said yes to Jesus, you've never opened yourself up, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, I just want to say we would love to connect with you. I'd love to pray with you um, or contact us at the church. We would love to introduce you to the lover of your soul. And just want to encourage you. You know, I was at a party last night, it was really epic. Um, I won't mention any names, but it was triplets who turned 21. So, um, but I mean, we—it was—it was such a sweet thing. Jesus wants to party with you too. I'm not saying party in the way you guys—not—not not like like the younger son did. Party like Jesus wants to party with you, because He loves you so much, and that's reason to party. Amen. All right, love you guys. See you next week.